You're listening to Late Norman Talk with Jonathan Weiner and Chuck Austin. Unscripted and real conversations with business leaders and marketing pros. Welcome back to Lake Norman Talk bonus episode. Does that even make sense? Lake Norman Talk bonus episode. I don't know. So here's what we're doing today. I got Brent Fire back in the studio, co-hosting as usual is the amazing Chuck Austin. These are digital marketers. These are pros. These are guys with uh, 20 years experience and, and a track record of results. Um, the only thing that gets me more excited about them is myself. <laughs> and... All kidding aside, we're going to actually get right into some mistakes that we're hearing, some problems that need course correction for business owners, and really what to do and how to handle it and how to not waste money in marketing. I mean, let's face it, Brent, you got to take risks at times, right? You got to roll the dice at times. They should be calculated. But the most important thing as a business owner and a marketer is to quickly Set your phone on vibrate during the middle of a podcast. That is the most important thing. There we go. And we have the intro music now. Chuck's back with us. Chuck, do you want to go ahead and drop that phone really loud on the table once? All right, Chuck's here. Okay, okay. so all kidding aside, this is what I want to talk about. So Brent, business 101 for marketers, okay? What's the number one marketing mistake you see people making right now? Knowing to quit. People just don't seem to know that if the numbers aren't adding up and you're not getting ROI, don't keep throwing money on the pile. You know, you don't put gas on the fire, right? Okay. No, knowing when to quit. Cool. Chuck. Um, having numbers, knowing your numbers. You know, so many business owners, they want you to send like a, had somebody the other day, Hey, can you send me like a, a report or this or that? And I'm like, well, what do you want? Or like, no, it was like a new client and he had put this off to like this gal that supposedly headed marketing in their company. And she goes, well, like a completion report. I'm like, a completion of what? We're not building a deck. I'm like, can you tell me? I said, I will start giving you completion reports when you can start giving me these things. Exactly how many calls that came in, exactly how many leads you got, how many you closed, and what was the revenue from that and the overall state of the business this month. And most people can't answer that because they don't even know how to run their business. And I think that's the thing is we need to be more particular in our business about who we do business with because what we're doing is we're setting ourselves up for failure because they're a failure as a business in the way of how they run it. Eventually, it will catch up to their business. You can be doing really great right now, but eventually not knowing your numbers will kill your business and it will give you the inability to market in today's marketplace. Love it. So I just fit, realized the name of the show, this bonus episode, is called Good Cop, Bad Cop. And Chuck is bad cop. So here's my number one thing I'm seeing right now. All right? Companies are excited. Hey, I landed a deal. I got some advertising dollars. Let's go ahead and throw that money towards advertising right away. Let's do it. I say, let's not. You don't have any content. What are you advertising? Your website's not working. You have nothing to send people to. You don't have anything visually stimulating. You're not doing videos. You don't have a podcast. You don't have even a blog. So what are you going to advertise? A nice picture and a tagline to go where and do what, Brent? I actually have a perfect example of that. So we got a cl- the client that we're working with. Uh, they put a bunch of money into advertising. Website's not ready. They don't have landing pages to send people to. And best of all, when we called their phone number, we got a busy signal. Ouch. We couldn't even get through to the people. So they're spending a bunch of money sending people to a website that 
isn't giving them very good information, but at least they had a phone number on there. But if anybody picked up the phone and called, they were getting a busy signal, so they can't even get the business from that. All right, so Chuck, break it down. Step one, step two, step three. What do we do? Step three, step two, step one for what? So you try, you want to advertise. You know, I got some money. I want to promote my business. I want to get customers. I want to get the phone ringing. I want to get the form filled out. I want to get an email. I want to get inbound traffic. What do I do? Well, you got to know exactly the kind of t- client you want. You're going to need to spend some time and back up, take two steps back to figure out who is your client, build a client avatar. Who are they? Where do they go? What mediums do they go on? Not every social media channel. Maybe you do paid search. Maybe you do social media. Maybe you don't do that. I have clients that are doing radio campaigns. Uh, they're doing uh, print campaigns. It's just how you do it. And when you do it is when and how you do it is actually forget the when it's how you do it and the planning put in place and the thought put into it is going to give you a success, more successful campaign than someone that didn't give you a great example. I have, uh, just in July had a client that called and said, Hey, we just spent $10,000 in this new radio campaign. They're going to be calling you. And so it was someone from a, a large radio conglomerate. You know, they give me the guy. He calls in. We're talking to him. We know nothing. The client has not told us this. There's no landing page for this. Uh, there's no tracking involved. We don't know how we're going to calculate the ROI on this. And basically, the radio station is just going to pour out a bunch of garbage and numbers that they're not going to understand and say, oh, yeah, it went great, didn't it? And they won't know because they won't know their numbers. That's the kind of things that happen, and real planning kind of really helps that. Tracking. I will reiterate that. I'm with Chuck 100%. In our world in digital marketing, we can track everything. We can track phone calls. We can track clicks. We can track visits. We can track what pages are on. We can track people that submit forms, where they came from. If you don't know these things, how are you making marketing decisions? you got to know where the people are coming from, what they're doing, not only so that you know where your results are coming from and so that you can track your results and calculate ROI, but that also gives you good insight on how to further market to the people that didn't complete what you wanted them to do. If you know where they came from and know where they went and know where they're going to be, you can continue marketing to those people and stay top of mind and all the marketing 101 stuff that you hear so that you can get a better chance at bringing those people back because it's a lot easier to get someone back to your website after they've already been there once than it is to get new people to show up. Let's get into email marketing. So, um, you know, I get blasted every day, uh, some good brands, some not so good brands, and it takes a lot for me personally to opt out. Um, I'll delete all day long, and then I'll look at stuff that, you know, intrigues me, maybe because of the design, maybe because of the product, maybe because the subject line was catchy. But let's talk about some, you know, best practices, do's and don'ts with email marketing. Brent? Don't put the whole message in the email. <laughs> I see that all the time. People will put out a weekly blog post and they send out an email and they put the whole blog post in the email. Well, I don't need to click to go to the website now, so what's the point? Not only that, but nobody reads a whole blog post in an email because no one wants to read that much. It's You're scrolling, you're on your phone. Don't put everything in the one email. I, I kind of like to use that with videos a lot of times when we're doing a teaser or a promo. It's the movie trailer. Don't give the whole movie away. Don't give the ending away. Chuck? Less is more. Less is more. I love it. Yeah. I mean, if you get, you're sitting out, you know, blasting them all the time, they're getting blasted by everybody else. You know, it's, 
all the spam messages and everybody that loves you and then the millions of dollars that are unclaimed that are in your spam box by some guy that you can't pronounce his name, um, plus all the legitimate ones. There's just too much. There's too much to go through in too little time. So if you're going to send an email, it better have a great subject line that's going to catch their eye. It better be timely and it better be focused on them and it better be exciting or educational. If not, you know, I, I mean, of course, send your happy holidays and all those other things. Thank you for being a value client. But please send less and make it more impactful when you do send. So, and, and again, track, 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 track. And you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna go through phases where you don't have success. It may take you a while to figure out what your particular clientele want and want to do. The biggest problem is people read marketing pornography 24-7. And Sally over here, that's a social media expert. And Joey over here is an email marketing expert. And then their beautician's an expert in this digitally and this and that. And so what happens is that they're just, all this marketing porn is eating their brain. And so they think that what worked for so-and-so over here is going to work for them. And then why didn't it work for me? And so they have very unrealistic expectations when they go in to do these things. And the majority of time, the thousands of dollars they spend should be, would be better off buried in their backyard, just as long as their dog can't dig it up than spending it on other stuff. Because at the end of the day, that $10,000 they would have spent that's in that hole a year later, that 10,000 still there. Love it. Love it. So takeaway on that exciting subject line, catchy. The graphic should definitely catch my attention, right? And should pertain to the business and it should be engaging. And then again, back to what Brent said, the copy, don't give the whole blog post away. I think, you know, 20, 30 words or less, if they have to scroll more than once on a mobile device, your email's too long, period. Call to action, trackable. Brent, anything else to add on that? Actually, I want to touch on something that uh, Chuck mentioned. And I think when people think digital marketing, they kind of forget it's still marketing. Marketing 101 still applies. All the rules are the same in digital marketing. You still want to have a good call to action. You still want to have good positive words. You want to have something that's concise and pertaining to the business. All the things that you would do in traditional marketing still apply. And for some reason, when people get digital, they forget about that. And they just think that there's digital is the, the silver bullet that's going to get all the business coming in the door. And their message sucks. It's like you still got to have a good commercial, whether it's on TV or whether it's on AdWords. So, yeah, so for digital marketing, Chuck, and again, we, we see this a lot, and I know Brent too, everybody's a pro. Everybody knows what they're doing. <laughs> Everybody, um, this guy was a realtor yesterday, and now he's a digital marketing pro because he put up a website, and he says he does digital marketing. Like, what are business owners, how can a business owner vet that? Because there's some slick people, maybe they're creative, but they have no track record, no results. What, what can companies do to beware, buyer beware? You know, that's really tough because uh, it's, it's not something that you're really going to be able to vet. I think referrals are great. Uh, getting referrals, asking other business owners, what was your experience? You know, what was the relationship like? And make sure it's somebody that has only not just been doing business with this person for one or two months, but it's been an ongoing relationship. 
I think that's really helpful. Uh, a personal referral is very helpful. I think you're going to have to wade through it a lot, too. You're going to have to lose a little money to make a little money. And you had to date a number of people before you got to that one that you loved and you put the ring on her finger. You're going to have to do that, too. And I think what I find a lot of business owners is, uh, with a lot of business owners, they are so focused on running their business. They run a great business, and they lead busy lives and have families and other things that they do in the community. But you need to focus on at least learning a little bit about what you're putting your money into. You need to learn just a little bit and not be afraid to ask questions, whether you think they're dumb questions or not. You're going to have to educate yourself. I think um, just one thing that I would recommend, and I tell clients this, anytime we get into a discovery call that leads to a proposal, I just did this yesterday, I say, look, take your time, look over what I sent you, do me a favor, do your homework on me, look me up. Well, let me give you an example here to kind of build on that. I'm not a social media expert, never will be, but here's the thing, there's nothing social about me, another person being social for me. Let me repeat that again. So just hear my words really clear. There's nothing social about paying another person to be social for me. And I will, let me take that even one other step further. Your business may not need social media. I think the first thing you do when you sit down with a client, or at least I do with my clients, is to learn about their business. And what is the goal? Why are we sitting together? Why are you interested to sit together with me? What's the problem you're having? Or who are the people you're trying to reach? And how are we going to reach them? It may be a number of different things. Yeah, I want to get into that and wrap up. But I do want to go back for a second on how to vet the right partner. Because I think um, there's too much uh, <laughs> trickery out there, if you will. But like, you know, I tell them, look me up. Do your homework. Right. If there's some consistency across the board, meaning I have legitimate reviews online that match the reviews on my website, that match the LinkedIn reviews, I can't fake those LinkedIn reviews. The person has to do it. If you see I have a real building and I work with real clients and you can see the names match up to those titles, that's a start. I think so many people are just so quick to be fooled uh, up front with the glossy cover that they don't bother to read inside the book and see what's behind it. You know what I mean, Brent? Absolutely. And I think that's the key is ask for referrals. Ask ask who you've worked with in the past because, you know, I'm sure Chuck gets the same thing. I get emails from people that are trying to outsource uh, to me all the time and I ask for referrals because, you know what, we do outsource some guys for some things because we don't do everything in-house. And I've had guys send me links to Nordstrom's.com. I don't know. I'm pretty sure Nordstrom's does their website in-house. I, I could be wrong, but the guy in Islamabad probably didn't do the Nordstrom's.com website. So, you know, it's real easy to tell who's, who's telling you the truth and who's just blowing smoke. Let's talk to some clients. Find out who you've worked with. If you're dealing with a legitimate company, they're going to have clients that they're going to be very happy to put you in touch with that they're going to say, these guys are great. We've worked with them for so long. And then I've got the same thing. I've got a bunch of people that if someone wants to know what BNR can do and what kind of a relationship they can expect, I'll, I'll send them to my best clients and I'll say, hey, talk to these guys. They'll, they'll tell you. Yeah, be very weary of, of partners. I've seen this too because I mean, I'm not trying to hire certain partners. Well, we can't really disclose our clients' information. 
they're happy and it's not a government uh, classified project. They can talk briefly to you about how good you are, period. Well, and I think, you know, a lot of times people will use other people's case studies. And I can understand that when you're getting started out in the business. We've all started out. And you had to kind of fake it until you make it. You had to, you know, borrow other people's quotes and other people's, you know, success stories. But, you know, one thing that I would tell you to do is ask that person what type of, you know, give me some cases, and you don't have to use an exact name if you don't want, but give me some actual cases of what you did and how that turned into revenue for the client. And what I mean by revenue, not new stuff, because if it costs $10,000 to generate 1000 that's that's not new revenue. <laughs> so I, I think that that's really where you, I think if you use common sense and get to know the person, and here's another thing that I think you'll both agree with. I like to have relationships with my clients. I don't, the, the transactional types of relationships, they come and go. And they're the worst clients to have. Sorry, clients that are transactional. The <laughs> ones that you have a relationship with and they're learning and you're learning from them and it, it, it'll become long-term and they'll go to you for advice and vice versa. Those, that's what you need to look for in any type of advisor or marketer that you work with as a business owner, someone that's willing to have a relationship with you and to educate you. Well, and honestly, at the end of the day, those are the type of clients that we make money off of. They're, the margins are not real big on some of the stuff that we do digitally. So if you're not working with a client for a year, you're not making any money. So when someone comes in and wants to spend 500 bucks one time, that's not a good client. And you're not going to build a relationship. You're not going to be able to help them out. That's just not, those are the people that you turn away. I want to uh, just wrap up with uh, more on social media because the more uh, the more years I'm in business and I think we're at, uh, coming up on 17 and uh, the internet's certainly now been around and the majority of social networks that are stable are still around. You know, yesterday the guy was scooping ice cream at Brewster's and then tomorrow he's a social media expert. So, you know, help us out here because um, you guys probably more than me deal with this as I'm a specialty marketer on the video and photography side. But, you know, why is, why is everybody a social media expert in trying, you know, what, what, what does that really mean? What is that? Is there such a thing? That is, let's go back to the days when Twitter was first, coming around. It was so easy to build a big audience that everybody was suddenly a, an expert and they were a social media maven or social media ninja or samurai or whatever word you want to use because it's so easy to do that anybody can do it. I mean, to prove a point, and my Twitter account is still, uh, still has a ton of followers, but to prove the point that the numbers are meaningless, um, back probably seven, eight years ago, I built a following of over 15,000 followers on a on my Twitter on my business Twitter account completely useless it looks really impressive I made the paper it was listed as one of the top Twitter accounts in the Charlotte area by uh, the Charlotte uh, in business insider or whatever that magazine was we were listed total bogus number that was the whole point was anybody can build numbers anybody can post stuff on Facebook anybody can take the Facebook blueprint classes and know a little bit of the jargon at the end of the day unless you can produce results and have numbers to back it up, you're not really an expert. You're just a shyster. Well, 
How's that gum, Chuck, by the way? I'm starting to... It, of, it's delicious. I can well, kind of taste it through, through the earphones. Uh, so I think that um, most people that are in social media, you know, there's some real good experts, and they, there's a lot to know. There's so many platforms. There's so many techniques. There's so many things to know, just like there are in, in any part of digital marketing or anything in life. But I think that we're coming up with the millennials are the generation that will really challenge that. There's going to be a lot of small business owners and businesses where this is just a part of life. It's like breathing. It's like talking. It's like sales. There's certain things you have to be taught and some certain techniques, but these people um, will really know how to go at it and manage their own social media presence as a small business owner. And um, I, I don't think we'll, we'll see as many of these issues. But these issues occur in search engine optimization, website design, everything else. And so um, it's going to happen. Um, and so you're just going to have to learn how to deal with it and make good decisions as a business owner. Brent, final thoughts on today's bonus episode? No one to quit. I mean, we've said it repeatedly, track everything. And at the end of the, end of the day, we're doing this for ROI. And that's, that doesn't mean we got some revenue. That means we got positive revenue. If you're not making enough money to cover what you're spending in the marketing and have some profit, it's a bad marketing decision. Simple as that. So track everything. Look at your numbers. Know what your break-even is so that you can make intelligent decisions. And when it comes to ad spend, what do you guys see? What's the, nor- what's the, the normal, um, you know, what should a business owner expect to spend? Uh, give me an example, each of you, if they spend X on these, these dollars, Google AdWords, what should, what should the management fee be? All right, management, I was going to tell you what's it cost to build a house because that's, that's the same answer you're going to get uh, for how much to spend on digital. But how much are you going to spend on a management fee? Most places you're going to probably spend somewhere around 15%. If they're really good, they might charge you 20%. Um, if they're charging you more than that, you're probably getting taken for a ride. I would agree. So if you're spending $100,000 on Facebook ads, expect to pay the agency fifteen grand to manage that and drive those. Fifteen to twenty, and it depends. Is was ad creative done? Uh, they have to license images and videos. The creative involved in doing that because that's a lot of time. That's more than just running and administering ads. And how much handholding and accounting and uh, accountability and reporting and um, calls that need to be made in the interaction level. So. I do see that, yeah, if it's 25%, that's fine. But, I mean, you've got to be getting a lot or even more. But there just there has to be a lot of deliverable in order to do that. And it starts with the relationship. It's more than a, just a paper report. It's, it's the relationship. Do you understand what you're buying and what you have and how it's impacting your business? So at a minimum level, what I'm hearing from you guys, 15 to 25% is not just click publish on the Facebook business manager for the ad. It's, it's delivering and creating the content. It's driving reporting behind it and stats. It's adjusting. It's, it's partnering with marketing firms for that amount of money. It's not just click go, right? No, absolutely. If you're just pressing go, then you're not looking at the numbers. When you press go, that's the start of the campaign. Your campaign three weeks from now should be different unless you got lucky and nailed it, which very rarely happens, you're going to have to make changes. You're going to have to make adjustments. And sometimes that changes stop, turn it off. 
Right. And, and people, you know, these large budgets for just one thing, just for social or just for us. Yeah. I, I think that, again, it comes back to what do you need and how do you want to do it? There's some people, you know, I run into a lot. They're spending $1,500 a month on social media, but you cannot find them online. And that's the, that's, I mean, what is the problem here? If I can't first find you online, why the heck am I doing this? And if, you know, a bunch of kids on interest Instagram or Snapchat are looking at my ads that really the decision maker in purchasing is uh, a 50 year old male, you're in the daggone wrong place. I mean, I don't even personally go on Facebook. I can't stand it, but my wife's on there. But so if you're going after me, you're not going to find me on there. So you have to figure out where I am at right? as the client. Yeah. And then the last thoughts on that, on driving results to advertising digitally, specifically social or even Google, um, two ways to measure, right? Long-term, long play, is your influence increasing? Are your followers and likes going up? Just that's very organic. It's long term. That means that what you're putting out there is actually increasing and being watched and followed, right? And then short term, like Brent said, are you getting leads? If you're placing an ad and you're not getting a lead or a click or a contact or a form, change it up or turn it off, quit, like you said. So there you have it, folks. Today's episode, bonus episode with digital experts Chuck Austin and Brent Fire. I'm your host, Jonathan Weiner. Please comment below if you like this series, if you have questions about other topics we can cover. We'll see you next time.